Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Shut Up and Rant with Me. Today, we're going to be interviewing Attack of the Clones. This movie came out literally uh, 20 years ago. I was actually talking to my friends last night. We were doing the Star Wars RPG, as we do every Friday night. And I mentioned that Attack of the Clones is now 20 years old, which is absolutely mind-boggling to me that that movie is so old now um it was yeah 2002 for episode two and uh it takes place 10 years after the uh almost said clone wars after the events of episode one so uh by this time there's a separatist movement it started a couple years before the events of the film under the leadership of count dooku a uh, an aristocrat that uh, used to be a former Jedi master. Um, so things are getting a little intense now in the galaxy. Uh, Darth Sidious is moving his pawns into place. The Republic debates on the creation of a military uh, in fear of the separatist threat uh and you know the jedi they don't have there's only about ten thousand jedi knights in the galaxy so the number of jedi is actually very very small and you know you have like some of the republic judicial forces that i believe tarkin was under and then you have planetary defenses from planets themselves but that's not enough against a unified army so this movie is already very interesting uh, from the get-go. Uh, a little fun fact, episode two is the only Star Wars movie, I believe, that uh, pans upward rather than downward. Uh, Padme's uh, Naboo yacht here is very beautiful, and I love the, uh, uh, the, the clouds and just the very tops of the um, buildings. Very beautiful. Um, what else to talk about? Oh, of course, we get the introduction of Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen as Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker, respectively. Uh, I I think these two are perfect for the role. I literally consider both of them the embodiment of the character, and that's all I can... That's the only person I can imagine for it. I, I can't imagine another person to fill in these roles. Um, in case you didn't know, um, Leonardo DiCaprio was actually in talks to play Anakin. I'm not honestly sure how that would have went. I'm sure he would have done good, and I'm sure we all would have enjoyed doing uh, enjoyed that. Um, that'd also be pretty crazy to think Leonardo DiCaprio as Anakin Skywalker. So I'm really curious to see how um, Star Wars would have been then if he if he played him i wonder if it would have been if the prequels would have been more well received and stuff like that uh another thing is there's the whole plot of darth sidious sends darth tyrannus who sends Django fett who sends zam wessel who sends a droid who sends some bugs to kill Padme Amidala. <laughs> a very complicated, complicated plot. Um, the chase is really interesting because you get to see like these really beautiful speeders. Um, 
and just kind of like what's Coruscant like. Uh, I said that weird. <laughs> um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you get to see like the nightlife of Coruscant and just kind of like the the day in the life of kind of. Um, and then, you know, there is uh, Zam being a shapeshifter, which is not something that is brought up a lot in Star Wars. You know, with, with the ability of the Claudites to become another individual, though it does um, give them great strain to doing it. So I find it interesting um, that they're not utilized more, I would say. Um, I'm, I'm sure there might be reasons why. Um, we get the Nightlander Club. Nightlander? Outlander Club? I can't remember the name of it, <laughs> but um, I always love it when Star Wars does their little like, hey, here's our cool set piece full of interesting characters. You know, episode four had the cantina. Episode five doesn't really have one. The closest you get is like the um, um, bounty hunter lineup. Episode six has Jabba's Palace. One has, I, you could say the pod race and the Senate. Episode two has this scene and you could also argue the Separatist Council scene. Um, and then three doesn't really have one either. Seven has Maz's palace, eight has the casino and then nine, um, I guess Kajimi, um, but I'll get to all that stuff later, but I always enjoy it when they have their, their little set piece with all the, the, all the characters. That's always just really fun to me. Um, what else? Uh, there's the scene with uh, Yoda and his little hover chair. I like that. <laughs> the Jedi Temple is very beautiful. I really wish we get to see like more of it. You know, I wanna I wanna explore the inside of it. I know, like, I have one of my Star Wars books here that it does like a cross section of like what the insides look like, and that's cool and all. But I wanna like, you know, I wanna visually see them move around and interact with the environment. Uh, I will say, I think out of all the movies, I think episode two ha has the worst CGI. I hate, I don't want to say like the worst, but um, they, it's just a lot more noticeable. <laughs> and early 2000s just had very noticeable um, uh, CGI. So that doesn't always, uh, oop, I actually, uh, there we go. Uh, so, yeah. But, you know, even for its time, a lot of it's very good. And I bring up now um, Dex's Diner. I really like the whole idea of Dex's Diner. Uh, I like Dexter. Uh, I think, you know, for a tooth... Uh, uh, oh, my gosh. I'm having a hard time <laughs> speaking right now. I apologize. The CGI to Dex and the waitress droid, I think, is very well done. Uh, I think it... it honestly holds up pretty well um and dex is one of those characters that's really interesting you know he was a a prospector out beyond the outer rim who knows of the kim and owens and he's a friend of obi-wan's so i really hope that we kind of get to see more of that relationship in like a uh obi-wan padawan series or uh maybe we'll see him in the upcoming kenobi series that'd be pretty cool and then, you know, we have the the Jedi Archives, which is very beautiful. And I love the busts of the different Jedi. 
there's actually some of them back there are um, busts of like George Lucas and I think a couple others of the people who worked on the film. I want to say Rick McCallum has one. Not 100% certain. Um, I also like this scene because Joe Costa knew, the chief librarian. Um, you see the arrogance of the Jedi of where she says, if it's not on our records, it doesn't exist. And you can see that arrogance of the Jedi there. Um, which shows their hubris and their downfall. Uh, you get to see a little bit more of her uptightness about uh, her archives in the uh, 2017 Darth Vader series. Uh, I'll, I'll get to that at another point. <laughs> um, it's fun that Yoda ch teaches younglings. I like that that's his thing that he likes to do. Naboo is just as beautiful as ever. Uh, one thing that's really fun to notice that uh, in the background on Naboo, you actually get to see Gungans um, roaming around feed, which shows um, just how far uh, in 10 years from episode one that the uh, the Naboo and the um, Gungans can coexist. And when they're speaking with the queen and the Naboo council, you know, they talk about how Newt Gunray manages to escape trial uh, he had, I believe, let me see, I'm I'm, I'm kind of watching this real quick right now. Four trials, yeah, in the Supreme Court, Newt Gunray is still the leader of the Trade Federation. Which is really interesting because I, I'm curious as to how um, Palpatine managed to get that all covered up and all that. Uh, then we move on to Camino, which is just past the Rishi Maze. Um... <laughs> It's a, it's a really interesting planet, just constantly raining, uh, water world. The, the Kaminoans' history is interesting. Their, their ice caps melted, and they were forced to build stilted cities and clone themselves to survive. So it's interesting that they've also... Um, they take contracts, you know, from a variety of different in individuals. I'm, I'm curious as to... Who else knows of the Kiminoans? Because as far as we're really concerned, it's basically, you know, Sidious, Tyrannus, the Jedi Council, uh, I guess the Republic, and technically the Separatists. But I don't know if the everyday citizens on either side know of the Kiminoans, per se. Uh, granted, the Kiminoans do have representation in the Senate. I wonder what happens to their senator then. Hmm. That's something just thinking about right now. <laughs> Didn't even consider that. Uh, I love the Kiminoans' uh, bright white aesthetic. I love their pod chairs that come down from the ceiling. Um, then, of course, there's the infamous uh, I don't like sand scene. I like it because you have to remember he... Anakin is about 19 now. And Padme would be 24, I think. Um, and so, you know, he grew up a slave on a desert world. Uh, and then he joins a monk order of space wizards that are, and he's told to suppress his feelings. And he's always had issues with that. And so, of course, he finds Padme to be very beautiful. And, you know, this is probably like one of his first ever crushes on anybody and so you know you gotta give him kind of you gotta catch the guy some a break it's not like he's a flirt machine <laughs> you know he's awkward and he just he wants to 
you know, he wants her. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, all the clones. Very cool. Uh, reminiscent of the Empire in the future. The flying whales of Kamino, the Awas, meeting Django and Boba. Just pretty interesting. Um, I'm going to skip past, like, Anakin and Padme's stuff on Naboo. In my opinion, that's, like, the weakest part of the movie. Um, I love George Lucas. I love the Star Wars films. But romance dialogue is not his forte. But, I, you know, I guess it gets the job across. <laughs> um, let's see. The Django versus Obi-Wan fight is cool because you get to see someone go up against a Jedi, you know, without a lightsaber. So you can kind of figure out, like, what kind of weapons um, and tactics to use against, you know, a trained Jedi like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, moving on, we get to Tatooine. I really love seeing the um, contrast of Padme's uh, yacht versus the dustiness of Tatooine. And then, of course, we see Watto again, which is, that's always fun. You know, the fan favorite character, Watto. <laughs> uh, Geonosis then appears, and there's the asteroid chase. I like that Geonosis is a ringed world. Um, and I like that they've kind of expanded a little bit more out with ringed planets and, and Star Wars. You see that in now Hutta in the Clone Wars, and you get to see it again on Dakar. And episode seven and eight, I like that they're doing more ringed worlds. I think those are, I think ringed planets are absolutely gorgeous. Like Saturn, if they could do like something like that for Star Wars, oh, it'd be mesmerizing. I think actually, now that I think about it, I think beginning of Rogue One, I think Lamu has uh, a ring, I want to say. Uh, but I digress. I'll, I'll keep talking about episode two here. Um, let's talk about the greatest sound in Star Wars. Uh, the seismic charge. I it's just it's so good. It's like a guitar rift. <laughs> uh, and, and then you know, Anakin and Padme then get to the Lars homestead. So that's kind of cool to uh, see it again. You know, after I mean, you could almost say after all these years. And then of course, C three PO is there uh, with his gray droid planning. And it's interesting that Lars doesn't recognize 3PO in episode 4. And I wonder if he just totally forgot. You know? But I'm pretty sure he came with Shmi. So... I don't know. I feel like that's a, 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 a tiny bit of a plot hole. Unless, you know, if, if, if it's confirmed that Lars knows. I don't know. I'd have to look up that on Wikipedia. If not, um, I hope they kind of address like that because that is kind of weird unless he kept it to himself and then we find out later um when anakin goes off to find his mom and do the fates plays and he's on the speeder bike going across the tattooing landscape it's that's such a good scene um the geonosian hives are great you know th those are based off of the planet itself is kind of based off of like mars like john connor on mars um Right? Was that his name? John Connor? That's the guy from Terminator, I think. Who's who's on Mars? Is it 
it's not Conan the Barbarian, is it? No, I, I don't know now. Well, anyway, I th they were hearkening to uh, Mars a little bit. And not only that, but actually, George thought about using a red, rocky planet uh, back for episode five, I believe. And it was under the name of Tzik, T-Z-I-K, I believe. Uh, so that would be kind of interesting to see kind of like, you know, I in quotations, Geonosis and the um, original trilogy. But the, the spiral hives are pretty interesting. You know, they're building all of these droids then. And then, of course, we get to the Separatist Council scene, which I fell in love really quickly. Uh, as I stated in the previous episode, huge fan of Star Wars aliens and xenology and all that stuff. I just... I think it's so cool. Um, so, yes, I know all the members of the Separatist Council, their species, homeworlds, what they do, what they're like. <laughs> um, so I'm going to just go through the ones on screen real quick a little bit. Um, uh, I believe it's Shum Shumai, which is named after a popular Chinese dumpling, I think. I don't know if it's Shumai or Shumei. I think it's Shumai, but she's a Gossam, uh, president of the Commerce Guild. I love her her uh, neck rings and her gold skull cap that curves up in the back. Very, very cool design to use for the for, for aliens. Uh, it's interesting because she um, proposes that the Separatist um, alliances, it, it could be treason. And she seems to be the only one that brings that up. Everyone else just doesn't seem to care. Uh, granted, uh, we, you know, we see her in episode three again. So obviously she doesn't care that much, <laughs> you know? Um, and we'll talk about more about these um, mega corporations uh, later on. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about them. Uh, my absolute, one of my absolute favorite Star Wars characters, probably in my, pro at least in my top 10, I would say. Um Foreman of the Techno Union, Emir Ryloth, Watt Tambor. I think Watt Tambor is a cool character. Uh, his design, uh, his little weird warbling that he has to uh, then grab his, um, I guess, a dial. And the reason for that is his species actually breathes methane. And so he constantly has to readjust um his pressure suit to survive uh one thing that i i've always been interested in in that in other shots of wat tambor you can see his eyes but in the scene um of the separatist council scene you i i zoom in and you can't his eyes aren't there there's no eyes i don't know if anyone's i don't know if anyone's ever noticed that. i don't know if anyone's ever brought that up but, you know, on Wikipedia, it's like, oh, his eyes are this color. And, you know, you can see that in, like, Clone Wars or on um, up-close shot of him. But if you look in the actual movie, you don't, like, I'm looking, you don't see eyeballs. There's no movement in the eyes. There's no blinking. It's just, yeah, there's literally nothing there. Which, you know, that'd be kind of interesting, too, if, if he was eyeless. <laughs> um... And then, of course, we have Sand Hill, chairman of the banking clan. Uh, the Moons, interesting race. Uh, Palpatine's master, Darth Plagueis, is a moon. And I'll get into that 
you know, uh, the moons and Plagueis and all that stuff uh, when I talk about Darth Plagueis. <laughs> but for now, uh, Separatist Council seems pretty interesting. Uh, Newt Gunray's there, Poggle the Lesser, which I really like his design. I just realized we have 10 minutes, so I gotta wrap this up. Um, there's an Aqualish, Poe Nudo. There is Tykes, or Tykes, um, the Quarren of the Quarren Isolation League. And it's interesting because you see both um, Aqualish and Quarren representatives in the Republic, but you also see them, um, you see different representatives for members of the Separatist Council. So it shows you just how divided the galaxy is at this point. And then there's another character, uh, and she is sitting between Poe Nudo and Newt Gunray, and you only see her, I think, twice. And it's only in this scene. But uh, her name is Ragra Wadrata, I believe it is. And she is a Holowolf from Aliga. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. But she is a senator, and you just never see her again. So her fate is up in the air. So I kind of hope that they use her at some point, because it does seem weird that they just never bring her up again unless she passes away sometime in between two and three, or she rejoins the Republic or whatever. Uh, personally, I would have preferred using um, Toonbuck Tora, uh, the Cymurthian, and you actually see Toonbuck Tora later in in this movie. Um, they were, George wasn't happy with the mask, so they went with a different character, but I would have preferred her. My opinion. <laughs> I know you guys care so much. And of course, it's very sad that Anakin's mom dies, and then he kills all the Tuscans, even the children, which is really, really brutal. <laughs> um, and we can talk about Anakin's dark side another time, but it, it's pretty... Another thing that also kind of bothers me about the film is how Padme just disregards Anakin's admittance to massacring a whole tribe of Tuscan Raiders. Uh, I don't know how knowledgeable she is on Tuscans and stuff, but it does seem weird that she doesn't... I don't know. She just doesn't, like, get freaked out by Anakin or anything like that. Like, huh, this guy... Like, why didn't she go to Obi-Wan in private or Yoda in private or somebody and be like, hey, he, he killed a bunch of people. I bet if she did that, um, they probably could have helped Anakin then. Either that or they might have... Um, would have kicked him out of the council. If that happened, I suppose he still probably would have gotten with Padme. Um, I don't know what he would have done. That, that I really hope that Disney does a... Uh, like they did for Marvel, the What If series. I hope they do that for Star Wars. Because there's a lot of good stuff you can do there. Uh, also, I like how convenient it is that... Uh, Geonosis and Tatooine are just a parsec away. <laughs> Very convenient writing, George. <laughs> I just think that's great. Uh, Count Dooku. I love Count Dooku. And Christopher Lee is a badass. And so, of course, he plays a badass Count Dooku. Um, I do wish uh, Dooku got a little bit more screen time in the movies. He really doesn't have that much. And he dies so quickly in 3. But... You know, we get a little bit more characterization of him in the Clone Wars and in the novel Dooku Lost, which I got that for Christmas, and I'm very excited to read it. But I have 30 billion other Star Wars books to read, so, you know, maybe one day. 
Um, but I, 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 like I said, I do wish there was more to Dooku in, in the movies, and I'll definitely do a deep dive in Dooku and another thing. I keep saying I'm going to do a deep dive and do that. I'm just letting you know that way you don't have to be like, man, I wish he talked more about that. <laughs> um, let's see, let's see. There's the whole, like, running through the uh, the droid factory, which is a very George Lucas thing, I feel like. <laughs> and it, it it's a little, eh, I don't care that much. It's only about... Oh, I, I don't know how to do time. It's only, like, five minutes worth of time. But let me talk about one of my favorite scenes. Uh, the arena. I love the scene. I love the Reek, Nexu, and the Ackley. Ackley is my favorite one because it was like this giant lobster velociraptor, which is literally the... That's what George wanted was. He wanted some kind of giant creature. And he, it also harkens back to um, the Mysterious Island, I think it is, when the sailors fight the giant crab. Um, but I, re I really like the designs of these creatures. All very unique. Uh, and the Ackley is just terrifying. <laughs> Out of all the three monsters to fight, I would want to deal with the Ackley the least. It's so creepy. Um, but this is a very enjoyable scene. I think it's cool. Uh, I even got the playset when I was a kid for Christmas. Super cool. Uh, and then, of course, there's the whole... Uh, Mace Windu and all the Jedi showing up. 212 Jedi versus all those battle droids. Very cool. Uh, the behind-the-scenes video of of them just all around like a green screen and you just w watch them like kind of wave their stick around is kind of, kind of funny. Um, but, you know, that's a crazy day because I believe less than 20 of the Jedi pass, or survive, excuse me, uh, the battle. And Another thing that I want to bring up is with the Geonosians. I love how different the cultures are, cultures are uh, in Star Wars. So, like, the Gungans, they live in bubble cities and use plasma weapons. On Rocky Geonosis, they have spiral hives and they use sonic weapons. And I just, I love the the different differentiations. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> um, but uh, But I just think it's cool. I also love watching the the arena fight because I love looking in the background and you can see a Jedi. You see a couple Jedi and it might be the same guy, but he uses two lightsabers. So I'm curious as to like how how that, you know, like do Jedi get to use two lightsabers often? Like how does that work? And Jango gets decapitated. <laughs> oh, also uh, which is pretty brutal, even by Mace's standards, I feel like, <laughs> and in front of his kid. Um, I just had a thought. Oh, Super Battle Droids. Love those. Probably one of my favorite droid designs, and I think out of the Battle Droids for the Separatists, probably my favorite. And then, of course, we get to the Battle of Geonosis. Very cool. I love the Separatist War Room, and I love seeing that the Geonosians are the ones that are working on the Death Star. You can see it in the hologram over there that's just cool little world building stuff that i love love seeing uh i love the geonosian fighters i like that they shoot purple uh that's another thing that i really like the duel is very cool you can see just how good count dooku is versus obi-wan and anakin and even yoda uh and then you know the the core ships 
um, going into their Lucre Hulk things. That took me so long to realize that those core ships are the like the ones on Genosis on the ground are the same ones that connect to the big ring. I don't know why that took me so long, but that was interesting. Uh, Dooku's solo solar sailor is a beautiful ship and one of my favorite designs um as well and then just a little fun fact i i have i'm up i'm up on disney plus right now but if you zoom in on um uh what what is the word i'm thinking of uh if you pause at this scene when padme gets to dooku's um uh, a secret layer or whatever as he flees and she goes to um obi-wan and anakin you can you can just and because this is like in 4k and i'm trying to get to the come on there we go you can just barely you can barely make it out but uh if you watch when when padme hugs anakin watch where his arm where it got cut off and you can see it, um, you can see the the blue a little bit from the, that's wrapped around to hide it. Uh, I have less than a minute. Ah! Uh, I like the the Clone Wars, the the Begun the Clone Wars has, the, the, uh, the all the clones leaving and all that. Very cool, very reminiscent. Uh, and then they get married in the end. The end. <laughs> um, I'd probably give this movie, I would say an 8 out of 10 as well. Uh, actually, maybe more towards seven out of 10, just because the Anakin Padme stuff kind of brings it down a little bit, but it is cool to see Obi-Wan's Jedi investigative role and just how the Jedi, um, um, are really good investigators. And that's just kind of a cool aspect that I like seeing of the Jedi. Uh, I have 15 seconds now. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this little rant. Uh, I'm going to try and do more of these. I can't wait to do episode three. I'll probably do all the movies first and all the TV shows. You already know that. I have three seconds. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.